Welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up too at www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Welcome to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Warren Treadray. Now, I'm super excited about this interview because we're going to go deep into a topic that isn't really talked about too much in sport. That's design. And to do that, we're joined by Nasanka Gunatalecki. Nasanka is a footwear product manager of Core Performance Sports at ASICS. He's been at ASICS for seven years, where he's worked as, as a senior apparel designer uh, was also a product and design manager for the Australian Olympic team at the Tokyo Olympics in 2020. Prior to his time at ASICS, Nasanko was a senior designer at Compression Company, two times U, and was a headwear designer at New Era in the UK. Welcome, Sanka. Now, Sanka, can you tell us a bit about your design background and how did you get into it and how did you get your big break with these prominent brands? Yeah, um, Warren, it, it, it was a pretty slow start in terms of how I got into it because I, I, I did an industrial design degree um, in New Zealand and was kind of always passionate about sport but looking for a way in. And so it took a few years to, I guess, actually get, get my first role and I ended up writing, I wrote 10 letters to 10 different companies I wanted to work for. Um, and one of them replied, um, which is not a great strike rate, but, um, you know, it's just the nature of like when you're trying to break into any type of career. And there was a company called Orca. And if you're into um, triathlons, they're, they're a very prominent triathlon brand, um, you know, and focused on high performance wetsuits and tri gear. So I started off there as a, as a junior designer. Um, and that was, that was initially my first break. So, yeah. And then. From that, I sort of ended up, um, you know, by, you know, not by so much of a plan, but I wanted, I really wanted to work in performance sports. So I looked for roles that kind of, I guess, um, you know, allowed me to gain experience in that. So in the UK, I was very fortunate to work um, on the London 2012 Olympic Games as a look designer. So what that means was I basically designed the venue uh, decoration or dressing for um, all the events. So for particular events so weightlifting and basketball so we you know when you look when you see um uh like the the tv coverage and there's all the logos and it's all colored um that's kind of what was my focus in, in that role so it was a really again an amazing role to be part of and then i had the had the role at new era which um again was part of my introduction to apparel design so that was a really really awesome opportunity and then i sort of when i came back to Australia, I was given an opportunity by a former work colleague to work at Two Times U and um, working within a company like that um, in terms of their high performance pedigree um, was a great opportunity and it allowed me to gain a lot of experience in working, um, you know, and marrying design with, with what the athlete athlete requires. So it's been a sort of slow process, but each role sort of allowed me to gain a little bit more experience and um you know, in working in uh, with the athletes in this in a, in a, within high performance companies. So, yeah, it's been a stepping stone process, but all sort of led me to to my role at Essex. Um, you know, 
few few years ago. You spent seven years at ASICS. Can you give us a helicopter view of what are the major levers in the product and design space, and what are the major objectives? Um, you know, it's 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 really simple. At the end of the day, we try to make the best best product for um, you know our customers and athletes, and that's 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 what we underpin underpin everything we do. Um, obviously, with that um, comes constraints from a commercial point of view and various other things but you know put really simply that's that's what we focus focus on doing and um you know that that starts with you know speaking to the athletes and also not forgetting that we we speak to you know the high end athlete the obviously the elite athletes but we also speak to the the weekend warriors and um you know those 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 people actually buying paying money for the product because you get a lot of insight from the elite athletes but also the the weekend warriors the ones that are paying good money to use the products they you know they're the ones that are using them day day in day out so it's 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 really key to talk to them as well and not just only focus on um you know what the elite athletes are doing so yeah it's really about kind of you know giving a really holistic approach to to how you how you build product at the end of the day we talk about um dealing with athletes is probably no bigger event than the tokyo olympics um which is a pretty interesting case study now with asics you're responsible for kidding out the entire olympic team in 2020 how much fun was that? Oh, mate! I'll tell you what—it was—it was a—it was, was a real experience. Um, you know, part of it, um, you know, the actual delivery of it was affected by COVID, and that you know could make up another podcast itself. Really, uh, got to talk about that. But um, the, the the whole process of delivering a, a you know Olympic uh, uniform to a team is is huge. Just there are just so many stakeholders involved in the process. Um, you know, and they all play a huge and important role in, in bringing it to life. You, you know, there's there's so many things to consider when you think about an Olympic team. You've got not just the 400, 400 500 athletes. You've got you know all the support staff. Um, you know, there there is also things like there's a huge spectrum of um, sizing when you talk talk about um, kitting out an Olympic team because you you've got to think about you've got 14 year old gymnasts and then you've got you know, heavyweight weightlifters, and on the other spectrum, you've got um, seven-foot basketball players. Um, you know, I remember we made a custom pair of shoes for one of the players that was size 18, um, just because we had to do that. So there's there's a huge amount of custom stuff that has to go into that, and um, you know, and that that's just the first part of it. And then actually getting it getting it to um, the event is a massive thing because I don't think there's any any event that I've ever worked on, and I've had had the the pleasure of working on two Olympics, but the window of opportunity is only two weeks. You've got two weeks to deliver a product um, and an event. Um, so in both aspects, you've got the room for error is like nothing. Like you have, you have, it has to be delivered on that day. Otherwise, it's you know you, you kind of you you miss the point. Um, you know, and the you know so the deadlines have to be met. So it's the you know you really have to ensure that the the project management of it is really crucial and things have to be delivered on time things have to be done it's in a certain way um when you're working with uh, you know the any olympic organization there are just so many hoops you have to jump through um not just as a brand but even as the as the aoc would have done um working with the ioc as you know there's no there's no brand that guards their product better than the IOC. They're just so careful about how how their price delivered, what brands are involved in it. Um, you know, it's a huge expense to all the brands to to be involved in it. Um, so trying to maximize your brand presence and 
opportunity within that two weeks is crucial. So, you know, ensuring that the product's delivered on time, ensuring that all the athletes are happy with their product. Um, there's over 22 sports that we have to outfit, um, you know, varying from cycling to wrestling to uh, um, taekwondo to, you know, a lot of sports that, you know, we're perhaps not specialized in, but they all require the same amount of level and same amount of, of a high performance product. So, yeah, it's a mass, massive outlay for, for the brand and um, to deliver it on time. But, you know, the as you saw with the Tokyo Games, uh, um, the, the coverage is huge. You know, the Australian team did tremendously well. Um, they were on the podiums all the time. The um, assets were seen all all over the news. So, in terms of maximizing that two week property, it's it's a great for the great for the brand. And those those images live on for the next four years. So, it's a very unique event in that in that sense. So, yeah. But like a real definitely, there's a huge amount of challenges with with it as well. You mentioned the the COVID challenges. I assume that you can't just roll four hundred athletes through, for example, Melbourne Exhibition Centre to try on small, medium, large, extra large for 10, 12, 13, 14 size shoes. It was everything had to be done remotely? Is that in the short, probably the, the easiest way to, to describe it? No, and no, actually the, the whole process was done, um, kind of we did this big, um, it was almost like a tour of Australia where you'd, we'd go to each state and um, they're actually probably doing it at the moment for the Paris Games where you'd go to each state and each team would, would visit there, they'd, they'd fit in, we'd have like a, a sample, some sample product and they'd get their all sizing done um, at each of the states. So they'd have like almost this roadshow where each of the athletes, if you're based in Sydney or Melbourne, you'd come to that event and, and test on, see if you fit the product, make any changes to it if you needed to. So it was a big, it was a big roadshow. They tried to make, tried to ensure that everybody got to try on the product, but it was really difficult because you're, you're trying to, um, you know, select a team that hasn't been qualified yet. So a lot of the athletes may not have qualified yet, but they are obviously trying to qualify. So they've got to try on the product. So sometimes, you know, they may try on the product and not not get the game. So it's about the, I guess, the organizations anticipating, oh yeah, we identify these athletes as the ones that hopefully will get there. Um, and then you, you got, they've got to, got to do our best with, with what ends up coming or who ends up coming to the game. So, so often somebody who, never tried on the product may end up at the games because they've qualified but generally they try and ensure that everybody who's who has the opportunity of qualifying um, has had, had a chance to try it on. Now Sankar I'd imagine that working with some big brands and major stakeholders there's a lot of rules in place around how the brands are managed and I assume it's, assume it's not all fun and games. Uh, is that challenge in itself you know and other big challenges is what makes it appealing in this space? Oh, certainly, Warren. It's just um, yeah, you're right. Just with with designing for any brand or actually any 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 type of thing, there's always so many people you have to um or you know you know ensure are brought along the journey. Um, and there's different touch points. You've got you know everyone from you know when you're working with clubs, you've got the um you know the the, the coaches, the athletes, you've got the fans, you've got um. You know the each 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 company's marketing team, the club's marketing team. Um, you know there's things to align in terms of launch dates. When's the right time to drop a product? When's the right time to to launch it? What how does that work in with the you know the season? Um, you know what else is happening? What other brands are doing? So there's there's a huge huge amount of challenges, and obviously that presents um, you know that, that there there is fun. I'm, I'm a problem solver at the, you know at heart, and I love kind of work out working out when you know, how to do things and what's the best way to do it. So 
you know, th- there's so many things that can come up, like with um, with like, things like logos and co- the commercial commerciality of, of of a product. It's it's really important to get that right. So, um, you know, the 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 best way that I've found to work around it is to try and you know, it's it's about bringing everyone along the journey, ensuring that everyone's, I guess, feeling part of it, and um, you know, making sure that I guess they're you're not going to please everyone, but you have to try and I guess um ensure that their voice is heard, you know, and ensure that they understand why or when, why we're doing something or what, what the reasons are. Um, often, often it's harder to, harder to convince them, but, um, you know, that's, that's kind of, a, that's the challenge and uh, I guess the process that you have to go through. Now, part of your challenge probably thing is to make it look cool because everyone it looks cool. People want to buy it. But then there's also that real, very real element of performance. Um, how do you design for performance and what is the process? Yeah, at the uh, sort of I guess my process. Everyone everyone differs, I guess, how they do it. But I, I start by talking to the athletes and really understanding, I guess, what their what their process is. You know, what are the things that they do to improve their performance? And you know, it's not often about um, you know them giving the answer. It's about finding insight within what they're talking about and being able to interpret that um, into a product. So. You know, for example, an athlete might say, oh, look, um, you know, like every morning I wake up and, you know, I, I meditate before my game or like they, they, they might do something like, okay, like how can we how can we ensure that the product helps you achieve that? And how, how, how can we how can we make sure that your process is um, is the best by, by adding something through 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 the layer of product? So, um, you know, that's the way that we find we can innovate. Um, you know, and then you know, it's about finding finding the answer through the material materialization of it. So it's like, okay, like if they want a um, you know a, a product that's going to help them improve their speed, or like, oh, they might say something like, oh, I want to feel fast. Okay, like what does that actually mean to the athlete, and how can we make that happen? So okay, like what what is you know what does it mean when you feel fast? He's like, oh, I want to feel light. I want to feel like I'm not wearing any shoes. Okay, so how can we then find a, a material um, that we might put on a shoe that will then achieve that. So it's about translating what they're, what they're talking about into a, into a physical product and then working out whether that's achieving that. So that, that, that whole thing is about then, you know, creating that product, going through a testing phase, prototyping it, getting the athlete to test it um, and see if that achieves what, what, what they're wanting to do. So, um, part, you know, the majority of my job is trying to interpret, um, you know, what one the athlete does or the or the consumer does into into a commercial commercial reality. Um, obviously, there's there's things that kind of restrict that in terms of, okay, what's actually going to be cost effective to do that? Like, we might not be able to get the, um, you know, the the the, the most, I guess, cutting edge fabric but what's the what's the next thing we can get to that so it's about finding that balance like and it's really hard because like what we do at Essex is like so if Joel Selwood wears a boot you can go out and buy that boot because that's exactly what he wears so like what we what we want to do we don't do anything customized for our elite athletes what we give them is what you're buying as a, as a consumer so I think we're we're one of the you know one of the few brands where athletes wear off-the-shelf product that's how good our product is so it's 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 a unique thing where we can offer the consumer the, the consumer or the um, person playing on the weekend the opportunity to wear an elite level product 
um, you know, and that, but that's again, the challenge about trying to ensure that we can build that product um, so that it's, we're not charging a thousand dollars for a pair of boots or a pair of shoes. You know, it's at an affordable cost for, for these consumers as well. Yeah, you just pretty well touched on a lot of uh, uh, this question, but the product and the design process, the engagement, I'm hearing athletes, clearly a Joel Selwood would be consulted. Um, I'm hearing, you know, you're saying feeling light. The athletes are consulted in that. Then there's obviously the commercial side of it. Is there scientists or people you use in that design process to say, hey, this product is better as well? Because, you know, for a simple ASICS runner or an ASICS footy boot or um, it, it's not as simple as going, oh, yeah, let's just roll that out again next year. I assume there's a constant uh, evolution and performance to make it lighter but stronger but more supportive as well. Yeah, 100%. Every year we try and improve our product, um, you know, as, as much as we can. Um, and we, we verify that through, um, you know, we have testing partners which are based at universities. We have our own ISS lab which is um, based in um, Kobe in Japan. Uh, they, they do all of our internal testing, but then we also work with, um, with external partners. So we have partnerships with the uh, University of Melbourne. Um, we have partners, partnerships with the University of Queensland, uh, and we work with sports scientists and biomechanists from, from those areas to test our product and ensure that um, the things that we're talking about are verified um, by by them. So if we're saying that this product is going to make you uh, feel lighter or make you feel faster, or there's going to be a, a physical benefit, um, we ensure that that's um, that's verified and tested tested with them. Um, you know that is one part of it. Like a numbers, you know, being able to to have that that testing is also important. But there's also element of like testing with the athletes and ensuring that you know if we've talked to an athlete or a consumer and said oh then they've complained about something and then We'll put them on just because the numbers say something doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be uh, translated into um, you know into what that athlete feels. It's important about getting their feedback and finding out okay, like what do you, what do you feel like when when this when you wear this boot? You know, ha- do you actually feel like you recovered well? You know, and like we know that you know often sometimes that can be a placebo effect, but placebo effects are real. But they you know they you know if an athlete feels like they're they're getting a better benefit, they really are gonna gonna that's really gonna translate on field. So you know, it's really about like also, you know, having that that science base, but also ensuring that, you know, the the, the consumer athlete feels that as well. So, um, you know, back back by science, but also tested tested by tested by tested by the athlete and consumer as well. Nasanka, is that the biggest juggle you have? Performance, and then on the other side, the commercial interest. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 Warren. It's always always a real real real, I guess struggle with that in terms of trying to balance the two because there's obviously the commercial we want to make the the highest performing product um but then there's the commercial realities of bringing something to something to life and um you know it's really about trying to like find how we can balance those two and what you know at the end some parts need to be sacrificed at, at times but you know we want to ensure that you know for for what we're trying to do we're able to give the best possible product so if someone's paying um you know x amount three hundred dollars for a pair of boots we're ensuring that we're giving them the best product um at, you know we can possibly possibly do um you know there there are always um going to be commercial realities of it um you know things like um you know the raised production cost the increase in materials shipping um you know the inflation all those things play a part but um 
yeah, the balance is the real hard hard thing to do. Um, you know, and it's 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 really about trying to trying to work off um, you know work off the boundaries you're being set. So, you know, there's there's so many different boundaries we're set in terms of price, in terms of what the marketing story might be, in terms of what the athletes wants. Um, and there's really got to be like a, a happy medium there where we can, you know, try and um, appease at least the majority of that. Um, you know, not, you know, like I said, not everyone's going to be always 100% happy, but if we can get most of those parties on board, then we're going to end up with a very, very good product at the end of the day. You mentioned the very good product. Um, obviously, um, with ASICs at the moment, you know, you look at, you know, their footwear, for example, it's a very similar type style because that, almost has a story in itself that design you know some of the footwear i'm talking about and the runners um but how conscious of you and, and what role does that design of a certain product play in the sport for example brand story culture commercial engagement it almost seems like it all has to fit to be a success yeah absolutely the the, the i i think my, a lot of my job is about storytelling so like you know having those different different things together is really about building the story. So, you know, having the athlete, having the testing, having the the insight from them to, to really build the product. And that's, that's kind of how, you know, how we can marry and, you know, tell a really great story. Like, you know, any, any good brand or any, any good product um, starts off with a great story. Um, you know, like I said, if, and that, that's either gained from, um, you know, talking to the athletes, talking to the consumers, talking to, talking to the coaches, talking to um, the, uh, the medicos, finding out, you know, is it a problem? Is it a insight? Is it, is it something that's going to make something 1% better? Um, yeah, having that and then bringing them along for the journey is, 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 the real, is the real ability. The ability to do that ensures that, you know, you, you know you're able to get consumers invested in it um, and athletes invested in it because if they, if they can identify with what something you've done uh, or a story you're telling, um, you know, and it it's done in an authentic way, then then you're really going to like get buy-in from consumers, and it's going to be something that you know consumers buy and going to be passionate about, um, and really really touch on touch on like um, you know the real insight there. It's amazing how it's probably evolved over the last twenty to thirty years. You know, you know, big athlete signs a big deal with a um, with a footwear manufacturer, or, um, and they just wear it and people buy it. Now it's almost it's almost like it's it's got into yeah you know, the design and fashion it have come intertwined with sport, which many years ago it probably wasn't. And do you think that plays a key role in almost culture? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, def- definitely. I mean, you know, it's 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 been around for I guess a long time where you often don't know where um, where where something starts. Is often not where it may end up being being used or worn. Um, there, there's there's a huge obviously with you know you can go back to you know what Nike did with the Jordan and um, Michael Jordan how the brand kind of evolved into something that was completely off court and um, you know like people who wear wear a certain product may not ever go near near the field that it was designed for and you're you're having people wear you know nowadays wear um, trail shoes that probably never have gone near a trail or things like that. So often like where where a product starts is often not where it ends up. And it it has the ability to sort of, you know, cross cultures, cross uh, nations and, um, you know, 
in terms of crossing crossing boundaries and from sport to fashion it's it's often very blurred now i mean and also if you think about how much how much the media landscape has changed in terms of athletes controlling their image a lot more athletes are now you're seeing a lot of athletes have their own brands they have their own voice they they are they are partners in in a lot of what they do now um not only are they um you know getting royalties from their brand but often they're investing into the brand so Tom Brady was a great example he was one of the first athletes to not take the money for um his under armor deal i think he actually took a percentage of percentage of co- the company uh which obviously benefited him hugely so you're having athletes sort of i guess invest more in the brand and having and wanting to also have a lot more say in what they do so often often athletes used to just um say okay you design the product I'll wear it but now athletes are we're finding a lot more invested and involved in what they what they want they want they want to know they have a better understanding of what's out there they know what they want um you know they have input on color they they're a lot more influenced a lot of them you know have interests outside of outside of sports so you're finding that 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 lines a lot blurred now so you know you know a lot of it's now it's all almost like like you said part of part of culture like sport you know sports like basketball um baseball especially a lot of the american sports that that you know they 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 you know music and sports that across that across that barrier now um and blurred so that's um it's a very it's a very amazing space at the moment and also too um there's the timeless spaces or the vintage spaces uh, we've seen them you know you mentioned before nike jordan so i remember where i was st michael's in college in adelaide my mate got a pair of Jordans. I reckon it was '95 or '97. That's how long ago they've been going. Adidas have got theirs too, um, and they continue to be sought after. But obviously, at Asics, then you've got your links to Tiger, um, the shoes too. How important is that? And and as a designer, what does that mean to be part of a story um, when you're dealing with an ongoing legacy? Yeah, I think it's um, you know when you work for Asics, um, you know who has such a storied legacy, um, you know going back to the the '50s or '60s. Um, you know it's it's important that i think as a designer like i guess my biggest fear sometimes was oh you know you don't want to don't want to ruin a brand or like that has such a such a long history they've got um such iconic designs that you have to be mindful of but um something you're always conscious of um it's about doing justice to it uh in terms of the heritage it's about being respectful of of what's what's gone in the past um ensuring that you kind of guess honor the one of the people who have brought it to where it was um at Essex we have a you know huge history of you know strong design and and working with you know iconic uh iconic products that you know it's about ensuring that you know while you whilst you are still moving the product forward and innovating that you're not not often uh, forgetting where where it started and uh paying homage to to where it's come from so it's a very delicate thing and you just have to like ensure that you know the history so um you know it's about understanding you know where where things are coming from who's who's been a part of the process talking to talking to them uh you know very fortunate we have a real great his, his, uh, historic um uh kind of museum there which I visited which I was very lucky to visit but you know when you know the process and you you know know your history um it's very easy to um then be respectful of it i think the thing the, the danger can be if you don't know where you you know obviously where you where you're from you don't know where where it might lead and you know design's one of those things that moves around in circles sometimes and you kind of need to if you if you do know where you where where you where you're from then you can sort of 
it's easy to push forward and be respectful of it as well. You just touched on the design um, and who designs well in sport. Um, where do you draw your inspiration from? Um, yeah, a lot of things, um, Warren. Um, it's it's often like uh, often outside of sometimes sport that you gain inspiration from. So there's a lot of like I guess you know different brands that that do things like um, big, I'm a big fan of a brand called Fear of God. They just sort of do things in the fashion space. There's other brands that, you know, even from a more ethical standpoint, like brands like Patagonia, they, I, I feel like they are a, a huge inspiration in terms of what they do from a sustainability and uh, the way the companies run. Um, you know, their, um, their, their owner, Yvonne Chouinard, he was a, he's a great proponent about like kind of creating the ideal working environment um, for them. And the way they create product is about, being sustainable and being about um you know, ensuring the product has a life longer than longer than um uh you know as long as as long as possible so yeah there's a lot of inspiration um that i gained from that there's there's also like really great brands doing space uh you know and the outdoors brand like like uh Arcteryx, solomon um you know they're really pushing the boundaries and it's often like the brands that are on the edge of like performance so brands that often are making things for um extreme extremes so if you look at you know solomon or north face they're designing for people climbing mount everest so it's requiring them to push the boundaries of what they're what they're what they're what they're building so it's almost like the it's like the formula one effect so you know you have formula one cars being built to um to race on racetracks but eventually what they're building filters down into into a road car so often the brands that are pushing pushing those boundaries can and then filter down, um, you know, and create product that that you're going to wear on the streets. So, yeah, there's some really great brands doing some stuff out there. You know, brands like Aunt Linden, the running space. I love what On Running's doing. Um, you know, in terms of what they're doing as well. Um, and obviously, you know, what we do at Essex is fantastic. And you can't deny what um, you know. I do take. You know, I can't say I don't take inspiration for what Nike and Addy do. They, you know, they are they are the best at what they do, um, especially in their storytelling and creating a creating a product that's told across different platforms. Um, you know, you can't, can't not look at what they do and take inspiration from it. Do you think um, product design is, and I guess, where is it heading in sport? You, you mentioned the North Face and, you know, those ex real extreme sort of activities or sports. Do you think that's what the future looks like for more commercial style sporting brands? Do you think you you edge into that? I, I know Nike did that many years ago with dry fits and bits and pieces. Do you reckon that's where it's headed, the future, or do you think it's sort of going to stay pretty along the same lines? Yeah, look, I think I think it's a really interesting space at the moment. Um, there are just so many so many more brands now. Um, I think when you look at the the space uh, for what a consumer can buy, they they have so many more options these days. Um, you know, there's hundreds, literally hundreds of brands that you can choose from um you know and, and so it's about like again you know how can you create a unique story to them i think there's a real future for um brands who can you know the ability to create customizable product for customers um you know with um with the i guess the the ease of production now people have people able to produce um you know product in lower quantities you're able to um you know, almost build your own product. You know, Nike ID has been around for a long time, but I think there's almost a, a next level to that. You know, I think there, sh there could be in the future, for example, you'll go on online to our assets website and, you know, be able to customize your shoe to the point of, 
um, what type of foam you might want in it, um, things like that. So there's a lot, there's, there's so much more uh, opportunity there for consumers. Um, you know, they're also like the other thing that I think with the future is that consumers are so much more aware about production and sustainability. Um, and I think for brands, it's about being more transparent about that. I think uh, with the, you know, with the ease of information, brands are, you know, customers are able to find out, you know, where stuff's made, you know, what's, you know, what's the carbon footprint of a product. It's about now for brands being really completely transparent about that and understanding, okay, like we have to, have to be better and have to offer consumers a level of information that probably we didn't, we didn't do before. And, um, you know, they weren't, they weren't concerned with that. They sort of, you know, cause customers didn't worry about that maybe 10, 15 years ago, but now customers, it's something they're asking for. So brands have to be much more aware of that. And, you know, the, the next element of that is like I mentioned, touched on athletes, athletes being more involved. So athlete owned brands are, I think are massive now. Um, you know, and also athletes selling selling to their fan base. You know, you know, um, you know directly. Um, you know, you know. I'm sure there'll be a day when athletes won't have to. You know, they they'll just sell their own brand. Um, you know, that that that's already happening these days as well. So there's a lot of that as well. Um, you know, and I think like the other thing as well, just like the access to you know building your own product is like a, a huge thing in the future. I mean, I think I read an article one day that said that the future is that Nike will be a software company and that you'll print your shoes at home. It's sort of almost going, going to that point where, you know, like you'll, you'll down, you'll download your, download your, um, your design from Nike and just print it at home with your 3d printer. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of future that in terms of, I think, customizing product. And I think maybe that's the future for, for a lot of what design will look like. It's like, you know, how can you, you know, how can you be more unique, in terms of what you're offered to, in terms of product from from these brands, as you say, it's um, the, the options are endless. Um, yeah, I hope when you you do get to download on a 3D printer at home, we get ultimate printouts so they can just keep rolling out the same pair of jeans or sand shoes as you go on. But um, that that's another unique challenge in itself, isn't it? How, how to stay up. Um, with what is the latest technology with AI taking over the world and um, as we say, 3D printing and, and and all those options that present and how much time is spent on that stuff? You, you, I assume you can't spend too much time because you've got to stay niche, but then you've also got to look to the future and see where it heads or try and predict that. Oh, absolutely. I think that, I think there's a, there's a, there's a huge amount of um, innovation that has to go into that. And you've got to like, you've got to stay on board with a lot of it. A lot of it, like I said, like, you know, working with universities and, and different uh, different companies, you you know, innovation plays a huge part of it. And like for us, you know, and, or every company I work for, it's about you know you know finding the right partners to do that. So many companies have things they're working on, um, and you've got to be kind of I guess aware of everything that's around you, um, because there's just so much movement in terms of that space about what what new materials and and new new technology is coming out. It's about uh, trying to find out, I guess. You know, identify where something might head um, in the future in terms of what that space is. So for footwear, there's there's a whole whole range of stuff that's it's moving towards in terms of apparel. There's a huge um, you know um, future there as well in terms of what am I doing. But you know, the innovation has to be sustainable, right? So there's there's things that are possible, um, and but they might not be commercial commercially commercially available. Um, you know, and like you know, it's got to be accessible to to the customer at the end of the day, because if no one buys it, then there's there's not really a future for it. So it really has to be 
uh, able to be brought to life um, in volume as well. So like, you know, if he, if he can make, you know, 10 of them, um, it's not really any point, but if you can make sort of a hundred thousand of them and it's made it accessible and sustainable as well, that's, that's, that's the real key and the challenge to it with the, with the new technology. Well, you've thrown a, a heap at us today. It's um, been a really great insight, Nasanka. Thank you for your time. We do appreciate it. And um, when you get those 3D uh, shoes, send them on down, will you? Size uh, 13 US, I need. <laughs> no worries, mate. I will do. Thanks, Warren. Thank you for your time, mate. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals breaking sports biz news as it happens and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.